In a world plagued by reboots, haunted by sequels, dominated by the same old shit. Get ready for an original podcast that will gouge out your eyeballs and skull fuck you. Starring Ginger Josh, Adam the Hare, and introducing the immortal Frank. Hold on to your butts. It's the Game Rage Movies TV Podcast. Yes, that is correct. We are here, back again, for the Game Rage Movies and TV Podcast. This will be episode number two. As always, my name is Josh, and I'm here today with Adam. Howdy. And we, on the agenda for this, for this evening, or this morning, or whatever the fuck time it technically is, on for, for this episode... Yes. We are going to do a bit of an ad- an addendum, an addition, if you will, to the to the Godzilla minus one review. Adam has some things he wanted to discuss that he forgot to bring up. A conspiracy theory or two, perhaps. Who knows? And then secondly, we are going to the the review of this episode is going to be for a short called Death and Ramen, directed by Tyga G. Right, that's the name. Yeah. Tiger G and starring Bobby Lee, featuring Matt Jones. Featuring also, Matt Jones, who was yeah. also on Breaking Bad. Right. Was, yes, he was the, uh, he was the like stoner the ch- buddy. Right. He was like yeah. the Cheddar Bob character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I know him from. Then. All right. All right. So this is the beginning of the Godzilla <clears throat> segment at yeah two thirty, roughly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'll just put beginning to. I just put the beginning till whenever we finish. The, that'll be the first segment. All right. So. Two days after the fact, or roughly a day and a half after seeing Godzilla. Yeah. Still think it's a great movie. Yeah. I still have high praises for it. Agreed. Uh, but there were some things I, I left on the table from previous, the first episode of yeah. the Movie and TV's podcast. So one of the things that happens, uh, just to point out as well, that this is spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, please go see it. I don't want to ruin it for you, so just yeah, just uh, just don't listen then, and and or if you uh, if you're if you're chilling and you want to be quick and you want to hear, you can look in the timestamp on the episode of the chapters, and you really you could just be able to click the next chapter and it'll take you straight to our our us talking Ra- about death and ramen. Right. So you can pause it or skip to the next chapter, pause it, and then watch death and ramen. It's only fifteen minutes. Yes, and then you can just you can you can and then you can listen along with that. Yes. But anyways, okay. So go ahead back to so so we gave you the warning. I don't want to hear no bullshit yeah, right. about oh, we can spoiler alert. Yeah, that's we're saying that spoiler alert, motherfucker. Spoiler alert. All right. So, anyways, uh, go ahead, Adam. You were Godzilla minus one. Yes. So one of the scenes you see, well, a number in a number of cases, Godzilla displays his power with the death ray. Right. And in one scene in particular, I think it's when they're actually in Tokyo, you see Godzilla doing the death ray 
and his skin kind of disintegrates a little bit. Yes. Did you pay attention yes, to that? Yes, I did notice that. So, I was one of the things I was gonna tell or, or I I was gonna say, but I have totally fucking forgot about is <clears throat> that there was one time when he was in the ocean when he did it. And it was when it was like firing up. And when he opened his mouth, you could see when it was starting to come out, you could see it disintegrating the inside of his fucking mouth. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is because it's so powerful that it technically, I think, kills him every time he uses it. But because of his regeneration ability, obviously he just doesn't actually die. But it would, it would kill any other being that would try to use it or right. that could use it, I guess. Right. So... uh I think this is something that's been alluded to in previous Godzilla films. Yes. Is that Godzilla's existence is pain. Every time mm. he evolves, it's painful. Yeah. And like when he thrashes around, it's like, ah, oh, fuck. Ah, you bastards. Is, he's yeah. like a Meeseeks. He's like, <laughs> right, yeah. Ah, existence is pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. That was just kind of a minor thing that I was paying attention to. Uh, oh, also, now that we mentioned the death ray thing, the very last one that he was doing, I don't know if he put more mustard on it, but he like did. It looked like he dislocated his jaw like a snake. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh fuck! That it looked kind of scary, but uh, yeah. When when it comes to the last third of the movie, when they're having the battle in the ocean, he uh, he looks more unhinged uh, as i was saying before the death ray he really puts it yeah. he really puts solid if, solid effort oh, yeah. into it uh so the last thing i quickly wanted to mention was the end sequence of the movie with noriko uh having some kind of stain on her neck oh yes that's another thing that i fucking noticed that i was gonna tell you about i totally and, fucking forgot and i forgot it to was bring like it, it was like crawling up her neck yeah it, so there i don't know what the deal with that is but i guess now we're gonna get to the conspir- conspiracy portion of yeah, uh, yeah the what what that thing might fucking be because i don't even know if there's gonna be a sequel for this movie and i actually hope there isn't because if it's just a standalone movie and this is all we get fucking yeah, cool so be like it. this is this is i don't want the, this movie to be tainted by a sequel yeah i i i think i agree with you Anyways, yeah, talking right. about the end of the movie. So she notes, or she says to Shikishima, "Is your war over?" And seemingly so. Uh, the next sequence shows her with some kind of mark on her neck, and then also Gojira is also alive. Yes, it, well, it's it's like a black stain or ink that's like moving up through her skin is what it looks like right and then if you look at the gojira heart that's left because that's what's left at the end of it it's some kind of body part well i think it's the heart i think it's his heart because it starts beating and then starts and then everything starts regenerating around him so i think that this is god's somehow since she survived I have a feeling that the reason she survived is because somehow Godzilla or some piece of Godzilla came off and like, like got in her and transferred his healing ability Mm -hmm. 
to her. That's the only fucking thing. The only way she could logically have survived. Yeah, that was that was basically my conclusion for that little thing she has on her neck at the end of the film is I can't explain how she was able to maybe get this power that we're speculating on this healing factor or whatever. Cause then it wouldn't make, cause there would have to be some weird something that happened because everybody else that got blown away would have, could have got the same power too then theoretically. Yeah. But I think there must be something. Maybe it's going to be, exp- and I do, I guarantee you there will be a sequel for this. I don't know if it'll be a direct sequel in terms of these same people are going to be in it. It will likely maybe be the same Godzilla in there. Yes, it's going to be the same Godzilla, but it's going to be maybe these people's, maybe Shikishima and Noriko, Noriko's descendants that potentially have this ability. This ability will get likely transferred down mm-hmm. the line. And that's an interesting thread because then if you could have a human that has Godzilla powers or some sort of essence of Godzilla. Not that the human could fight Godzilla, obviously, mm. but maybe could help Godzilla destroy the fucking world and become the heel, become the bad guy with him, potentially. Like have a telekinetic link or whatever. Something whatever, where, whatever this thing is, it gives them a link. Yeah, and then their benefit is, oh, well, now they heal. They're basically unkillable. Their body will regenerate. But in re- and then you know they have whatever other powers you want to fucking have that Godzilla has, and then but in return, you're like the eyes and ears of Godzilla into the human world, or the, it just allows this connected person to have a dialogue with Godzilla, oh, saying like, "Hey, hey, man, why are you well, fucking us up?" Yeah, and you then you got somebody else for once. Fuck, why you got yeah, fucking Japan? Yeah, or she'll illustrate that there's been. The humans uh, have been doing research. Now that we know of your presence, we have discovered that there are many others. Oh, and, and then they're saying that there is there is a foretold legend or whatever that there is a superior to you, possibly, and you can use our help to yeah to survive this this battle that's supposed to happen. It could be King Ghidorah. Or true. some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, but true. Ba- but basically, it's you just have some kind of psychic link between Godzilla and this person because of this radiation. But also, yeah, we're talking about the... Because I was just trying to think. I'm like, how the fuck did this bitch survive? Did she, she got blasted away by the concussive yeah. force of the, the, I mean, the death ray. Literally, the, to be heat yeeted. Ray. To be yeeted across... <laughs> from essentially a nuclear blast. That's mm-hmm. essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. To have been then yeeted across essentially the cityscape. Yeah. You would have to, you'd, it would be insta-death. But that explains it is because there's some, that he, Godzilla's healing ability was somehow transferred to her. And there, like I said, I think that it would be cool if there was, like you said, some sort of telekinetic link between this person and Godzilla, mm. and then that's how God... Because they did make mention, they were very fucking clear to say that they believed Godzilla was very territorial. And that's why they were doing that thing with the speaker. Right. And they were, like, blasting Godzilla's own call or whatever 
because they thought, oh, maybe you'll fucking think that there's another one, and then they'll fuck. He'll want to fuck it up, so then it'll it'll distract him to follow this right. thing or whatever. So, if Godzilla learns that there are other monsters, that would be motive for him to go and destroy them. Because hey, you're in my hood, bitch. What colors you wearing? You you're wearing the wrong color, son. And then Godzilla goes and does a drive by on him and takes him down with his heat ray or whatever, you know, or whatever other powers they're gonna give Godzilla in the next movies. And then this does set up for this essentially to be a trilogy, which I think the next movie will be Godzilla fighting some other monster. And then the third movie is going to be the Japanese doing Mecha Godzilla or the human equivalent of fighting a Godzilla. They're going to fight it with technology. I hope not. I agree. I don't, I hope not because again, we already, we've already seen that. And I would hope that they maybe just pick something else. Just go a different route with it. I do think there will be a sequel, though, 100%. I think this movie, Godzilla Minus One, I don't know what the sequel to it is. Godzilla Zero. Godzilla Zero, maybe. Godzilla Prime, I don't know. Yeah. Fucking whatever you want to call it. I do think that a direct sequel immediately following the events is a bad idea. I think going back to the World War II time frame is a bad idea. Godzilla's dead. It needs to take him like 20 or 30 years to before he regenerates from just being a, a heart. I think that's what it takes. And then I think you maybe pick back up again in the 70s or 80s. And that's where Godzilla, like this next one happens. And it's maybe Noriko is alive as an old lady. And then maybe it's like her daughter or like like her actual blood descendant mm. also has this ability or something similar that was passed down. I don't know. Yeah, it could be something as simple as even just her thing tick uh tips her off that Godzilla's back. Yes. As like a right. conduit like yes. a conduit or something. That could be it. As simple as that. That she's now the radar for Godzilla when Yes. Um it's something like that. But yeah, dude, I mean shit. Getting back to like the Noriko thing. And I don't know if this is a stretch if I'm re- really reaching out on this, but something as simple as the dialogue saying that she must survive. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me believe that Noriko is some kind of, I don't want to say it's like she's a superhuman, but maybe the radiation activated some kind of gene within her to have this mutation maybe. or whatever to, because again, she survived and she, she all she came away, away with was uh, maybe she had her head bandaged. I imagine she has some kind of concussion. I hope. I mean, for, yeah. I mean, for the it, sake of realistic, <laughs> minimally, that's yeah, what she's got. She had a broken arm for sure. Oh yeah, but her surviving like Godzilla. I re- do you remember the dialogue she said? Is the somebody told her that they have to carry on because if Japan is going to get out of this, they need everybody or so- right, something along yeah. those lines, right? Something to that effect. So just like much like Godzilla, who is basically indestructible, the humans have to have a undying, unwavering spirit to survive uh, the aftermath of World War Two. Right. So I don't know. I just I don't really know what to make of that mark that she had. Nonetheless, this is all speculation. But again, if if you were to speculate anything, I, my my best guess is that. Whatever mutation she has, or whatever mark she has, 
gave her some kind of healing ability and yeah that's more or less what i wanted to to bring up but also i think one thing i forgot to mention was uh and i think i talked about it briefly but the music of the film there are very few instances where you could say the music matches up with specific scenes of a movie yeah and I could, I could think of very few films that I think where it has a perfect soundtrack or a perfect score. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so you could probably think of the first three Star Wars movies as... Uh, Pretty being, goddamn close, if not a perfect fucking score. This movie, I think, was synchronous on both mediums of the visual aspect in addition oh. to the music itself. Because yeah. I've, I've been listening to the soundtrack because there was one specific scene... Where uh, again, it's the scene where he's uh, roaming through Tokyo, and it's this track called "Divine." Uh-huh. And I don't know how it's possible how instruments can convey certain ideas oh, or man. concepts. Yeah, but that track "Divine" is so good because I'm not sure if the drums are called timpani drums that are kind of thunderous or whatever. Uh, but there is like a real sense of Fear, finality, doom, menacing, yeah, menacing. Uh, maybe even again, like the title states, divine that this is a basically a divine being that has descended or not. Well, I guess technically, yes, it's descended upon humanity. Uh, but yeah, there's like the bells that kind of give the Undertaker vibe, like, oh, shit, oh, yeah, yeah, we're fucked. There's the drums that I think if I made a mental note, there's the drums synchronize with the the footsteps of Godzilla, so it's kind of like impending doom. Yeah, and then the strings, the string section, evoke emotion, which I would say would, would be fear. So I I just again to credit the whole film from the plot itself, the characters, the music. I'm, I'm giving emphasis on the music itself here, man. I I can't say enough good things about this movie, and I I would dare say I would love to see it. In IMAX, I don't even know if I can see it at IMAX, but I would love to fucking see that movie at, in the appropriate f- format that it should be. But, yeah, yeah, but, I agree. That'd be legit. So um, that's all I got to ask. Or, oh, yeah. uh, add. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think that the fucking score, it, it was the perfect blending of music for the appropriate mm-hmm. moment or the lack thereof music because I think they utilized the absence of sound and the absence of score Mm. just as perfectly and expertly as they did the actual score itself, which that is not something that a lot of fucking movies do at all. And the ones that do it don't, it's even more rare that they do it well. And this, that sequence when they're all on the boats and he's about to fucking blow his second Ray, just silencing everything made that shit so much more impactful. Mm-hmm. And then you just hear the, oh, that's the sound that comes in as the airplane and of, of uh, Shikishima coming in and fucking, he's going to save the day. Right. And then you hear the impact in Godzilla's mouth and then the explosion happens. Yeah. And then that's like, holy shit. That was a holy shit moment right there. Yeah. 
so <laughs> so perfectly fucking executed. And I think there are parts of the soundtrack that are original because it was made by this person named Na- Naoki Sato, but mm-hmm. it takes. There are parts of the original soundtrack or uh, score of Godzilla from the original oh, okay. film, the 1954 yeah. film, uh, that were made. I think it's made by this guy named Akira Ifukube. Okay. Who made the bum, 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 bum. But he yeah. also made the other parts of the soundtrack. And uh, that's incorporated in, in what these songs are called their suites. So oh, this okay. person, Naoki Sato made it as a suite so there's parts from the original soundtrack that are kind of a me- they mesh into each other yeah yeah and uh but yeah i mean even the original score like the original songs that were made specifically for this movie that song divine i'm pretty sure it's like original straight movie, up original yeah. that i'm listening to that like pretty uh <laughs> damn i didn't think about that i should probably listen to the score and just give it yeah. a fucking listen because it was it was so good i imagine just listening to it will be even better yeah um but anything if anything um again just talking about the movie there's a number of things i could highlight about it and uh you just wanted to share my thoughts on a theory about the woman yeah. with the mark and of course talk about the music and i think that more or less wraps up the uh, godzilla portion yeah the addendum if you will yes yeah, I agree. I don't have anything else other more to say about that. So if you have, you know, opinions about what we say, let us know. Um, anyways, okay, so now let's get on to the main event, the big draw, if you will. And that's going to be Death and Ramen. Yes. It's a movie, short film, starring Bobby Lee. Nathan Nathan Jones, right? Matt, Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Sorry. God damn, I can't fucking. Matt Jones. Who you may know from Breaking Bad as, uh, <laughs> I forgot the character's name, but he was one of uh, Jesse's friends. The <laughs> yeah, tall, like, tall white one. Yeah, he's like the stoner one. Yeah. So, um, sorry, my throat like had like a weird fucking dry spot in it. But mm. anyways, so it's only like a 15 minute long short. Mm-hmm got selected to a bunch of independent film festivals and short film festivals and all this stuff. Yes. So Tiger G, this is like his first uh, thing, right? I think so, yeah. And to to give a brief bit of lore, <clears throat> this guy wrote this script and apparently he was watching the Tiger Belly podcast and thought, uh, I don't remember what specific episode it was, but it had Bobby <laughs> Lee showing emotion, I think crying for mm-hmm. some reason mm-hmm. and i guess since that moment he believed that for this specific script that bobby lee would be he was the guy he, he was the person so if you're not familiar with bobby lee bobby lee uh is a comedian and i can't say i know what his career was like before mad tv but that's how i came to uh know of him yeah was through mad tv for the number of characters that he did and uh, and I think my here here's my theory of why he did this role for somebody that he has no connection with. Right. It's somebody that's not even in the music in his music the movie, movie industry itself, completely independent. <laughs> so I was watching this uh, the Tiger Belly podcast episode three hundred because I'm not sure if this was the specific podcast where uh, Tiger G was inspired by. 
inspired to have Bobby Lee as part of the cast. But <laughs> this particular episode was number 300. It was a, it was a Hallmark episode, yeah. and it featured Steve Yoon, Stephen Yoon from The Walking Dead oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and one of the A24 films. I forget what it's called. And I guess a buddy of his named David Cho. Uh, all of them are respectively Korean. Okay. But the thing that was interesting about this episode is how much they credit Bobby Lee as being an inspiration for South Korean actors or just anybody that's in the entertainment industry itself. Yeah, yeah. And they were talking about Mad TV, his one of his earliest works on television. Uh-huh. And <laughs> um, yeah, they basically bowed down to him saying that if anybody had a chance at being an actor as a South Korean, that this guy is probably responsible and maybe not even uh, getting the credit that he deserves or yeah, he's got to be at least one of the people that uh, was a, an important precursor for what would come for Korean South Korean actors and stuff. So right, yeah. it was kind of cool to hear that. And my reason for believing that Bobby Lee ended up doing this short film with somebody that is basically a complete nobody. Yeah is because of the fact that he opens up on this same podcast episode that his his trials and tribulations of working through the entertainment industry were basically, I mean, it was a difficult path for him. I mean, even on Mad TV, it was made known that he wasn't wanted on the program yeah. by the producers. For him to go on to other television programs or even movies, he didn't feel as though he had jumped through enough hurdles or jumped through enough ho- hoops or that's how they made him feel that way. Yeah. So for somebody like Tiger G to come along and and say that this guy is the perfect person for the lead role of this movie, I think he gave him the opportunity to do this because of the way he had been treated in the past. And yeah. that's why we we saw it come to fruition. So basically you're saying that you think... Because Bobby Lee wasn't afforded the opportunities that he is now being the steward of the opportunities and he's helping right. people go along that otherwise may not get mm-hmm. an opportunity at all. Yeah, and, and as far as the story goes of how it was pitched, this guy tried to reach out to Bobby Lee's agents and he eventually reached out to his uh, wife uh-huh. and said what the thing was. And he, the, the information was passed along to Bobby Lee and then Bobby Lee reached out, I believe to the yeah, guy and, and it, it just, oh yeah, man, it just blew up from there. Yeah. Yeah. So that sets the, the sets the stage, the yeah. table for, for the movie itself. So anyways, let's get to, so that the 21 minute mark was, I think the introduction, yeah. just this whole little lore yeah, yeah. exposition. And then right. now 27 is the beginning of oh, our, yeah, our of, reviews. Of, yeah, the, so, of the reviews. Yeah. So, so why, why don't you go ahead and tell me what you have taken away from this uh, short film. Yeah, okay. So just to recap the events that happened in case you haven't fucking seen it. Mm. Basically, it opens up on Bobby Lee. He's standing there, staring himself in the mirror, looks distraught and disheveled, takes a shit ton of pills and puts them in his hand, and he just slams them, right? Starts chewing them. Ambient, I think, is what it was supposed to be. That's what he said. So... He's he's killing himself. That's how this movie starts. Off right off the bat, he, this dude's killing himself. Then he goes goes into the kitchen and he fucking starts making this fucking ramen. So he's eating the ramen, fucking like halfway through eating it, he just looks up and then he dies. He, he's done. And then old Death walks in, which is Matt Jones. Walks in, 
Okay, picks him up, throws him over his shoulder. He's walking him down this bridge. And Bobby Lee wakes up and he drops him. And it's funny because he's like, oh, what? You dropped me, you bastard. Like He's like, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, I did drop you. And so then basically <clears throat> they have this exchange back and forth. He's like, hey, man, you're dead. I'm death. I'm here to fucking pick you up. And he basically tells him like, oh, yeah, there's like a bunch of us. We're like a union. We're corporate. You know, death has become very corporate. And he just says, well, I can't die on an empty stomach. He's like, I have standards or some shit like that. And Matt Jones tries to choke him out. And he's like, you? like that exchange was funny because he's like, what are you doing? Get off of me. He's like, man, you can't kill me. He's like, why not? He's like, that's murder, man. And he's like, so? He's like, I'm death. You're supposed to be dead, basically. And he was going to kill himself anyways. Right. So he's like, no, I have standards. And he's like, okay, well, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, oh, I can't die on an empty stomach. He's like, okay. He's like, we need to go to the ramen shop. So he's like, all right. So he's like, well, why? And so then he tells him the, basically the recipe for fucking ramen. This kimchi ramen. He's like, Mr. Death, have you ever heard of kimchi ramen? He's like, no, nah, I haven't. So he gives him like the whole recipe. And then he's like, and it's absolutely divine. So he's like, you promise it's divine? And then he says, okay. So then they go. So they go to the ramen shop. Bobby Lee makes the ramen. Death eats it. Thinks it's fucking awesome. Has a great time. They drink. They drink. Yeah. Then Bobby Lee's like, nah, fuck this. I'm not ready. I'm, I, I'm, I'm bouncing. So he bounces out. He goes to where his mom's in like a convalescent home, I think, or something to that effect. He, the funny part is he headbutts himself through the window. Just zero disregard. Just fucking just straight starts pounding his head on it till the glass breaks, breaks the glass, gets in. And then he's telling his mom, which this was actually fucking depressing, this fucking scene. It was so sad. It went from, and maybe this is kind of, because it went from kind of funny. Well, it started off sad off the gate, right? Because he's killing himself. So it started off with controversy. Then it slowly kind of moves into, well, it's kind of like comedy now. It's a little bit of a, slapsticky comedy kind of stuff in the middle and then it gets to ultra seriousness when he's like fuck i'm dead i did this i made this decision and i can't undo it even though now i want to live or whatever which is what it seems like so he goes he tells his mom he finally accepts it's kind of like this was this was almost a commentary on the the stages of grief i feel like um because you had the you had like set the was it anger the anger phase, there was denial. Like, yeah. There the was anger, the denial, the anger, the the pleading with them. And then acceptance. And then acceptance, yeah. So I felt like you kind of ran the gamut of that throughout this whole thing of Bobby Lee eventually just accepting it. And then he goes to his mom, tells her he's, you know, he loved the ramen she used to make her when he was a kid. And he's basically he's going away and he's not gonna come back ever. And so basically he's just like, I just want to say goodbye one last time, basically. So he does that. Him and Death are on this rooftop, fucking staring at this sunrise, and they just start dancing. And then all of a sudden, Bobby Lee is in like a dance rave with all these other people. And this is that's what we're basically led to believe is like whatever this afterlife is, or at least the first stage of it. So that's the gist of the story. And what happens? And like I said, it's only 15 minutes long. It's not super lengthy. Yeah. <clears throat> what What did you take away from it as being kind of the point of the movie? Mm. 
if anything, I guess. It's hard to say. I mean, it's probably there's probably a number of interpretations of you you could have. Right. Other yeah. Films. I think there was there's uh, a lot. That you I, I think it's definitely what you said about going through the process of it, coming to the acceptance of death itself. Right. Yeah. But done in kind of a semi funny fashion. Yeah, semi comedic. But comedic. But yeah. there are dramatic elements. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think that's mostly it. <sighs> Uh, the food aspect was really interesting because uh, I, th- I think it's funny that, and maybe it's not just uh, part of Korean culture. That Well, it's got to be people in general that food is big. Right, I mean, yeah. Maybe for Mexicans it is to to uh, share food or eat food. It's kind oh, of, yeah. It's kind big of a big part of the culture. Yeah. So for him to have food as part of his priority for if he's got to do something before he dies like food yeah. being very important to him i i, I love that because i i fucking love food so i if i'm if i'm gonna die i definitely have to have a fucking last a last meal if i'm capable of chewing <laughs> yeah that's that's what it was it was uh it was basically like him having a last meal right and uh yeah the the part i don't know man the part of food really was interesting because it food itself can be so many different things it could be an invitation to a community it could be yeah. a peace offering which it seemed like that was right. the case for him and his mother that they might have had it in a strange relationship but yeah i mean the woman was basically like catatonic i mean yeah she was also likely dying as well likely, yeah likely dying but the food was the offering of peace that you know whatever had happened is now absolved and you know yeah. they could each make peace with one another and i thought that was really a beautiful um does that answer your question yeah yeah so one thing i would pause i want to pause it now too about i feel like the ramen or the food is was representative of life because so it's like death and life right mm. because he killed himself but because he ate the food, it brought him back to life. And then when he went to um, go visit the mom, right? She was just basically blank stared, nothing. And he starts, as he's feeding her the noodles, mm. she becomes more emotive in her face. She right. becomes more lively. And so I do think food in general does, it represents, you know, sustainment of life because you need food to live right so i think that maybe they were kind of using food as a i don't know what is it a metaphor or a, or whatever for life right in that even even literal death can be wowed or or paused by a good fucking meal a good bowl of ramen as it were mm can even pause the death process depending on how good it is. Yeah. Or it can bring life to someone who is is dying because they haven't eaten food or whatever. It can it provides the sustenance, I guess. So yeah, I I I thought there was a lot of metaphorical type shit in this deal. Like the thing at the end with the dance party 
being basically whatever the afterlife is. I'm I kind of take that as because it was it was dark. And there wasn't a whole lot there other than there were just a bunch of multitude of different people, which I don't think you can really I don't maybe I'm not smart enough to read into the who like the people that were there and what they were kind of doing as meaning anything. But I kind of got this as this was the collection of like this was the purgatory. Well, limbo. Kind of. Yeah, this is like the in-between phase. And that's why everybody's just kind of aimlessly dancing for literally no fucking reason nonstop. Cause this is just the distraction until you get to, cause he did tell him, he's like, Oh, he's like, well, I take you, you know, to a place. And he's like, and then you go to one of two places and he's like, Oh, it's like having a hell thing. And then he's like, oh, I can't say can't anything. elaborate on that. But then he tells death tells him, Hey man, everything's going to be all right. Basically meaning that there's no heaven or hell. It's just two different places, maybe that you go to, and it's no, no. You're not gonna go to a bad one if you were bad, you know, or whatever the case may be, right? So, I thought that was interesting as well to kind of put a put a bow on that. I guess it was just very interesting. Yeah, as far as the story itself, what, what did yeah. what did you make of it? I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good story. Mm-hmm. I do think that it was, they made very good use of that 15 minutes. I don't know if it was planned out from the beginning that they wanted this to only be 15 minutes or whatever, Mm. but I thought that they made use of every fucking second that they could in telling the story. Mm. And, you know, that's the other thing. Sometimes I don't think this story needed to be any longer than it was. I think that sometimes 15 minutes is enough. Sometimes five minutes might be enough to tell the story. However long it takes you to tell the story is however long it takes. And however long you are going to need to tell the story is how long you need. So they only needed 15 minutes to tell the story, and I thought that they did it in a very good way. If you had to put a number on it, what, do you, what would you rate it? Mm, I'm not sure. I think it'd probably be... I mean, it'd probably be a seven or a more generalized question. Uh-huh. Were you or were you not sports entertained? I think I was. I thought the plot was interesting. It's yeah. simple enough to follow uh, all the ideas that were conveyed were illustrated. Yeah. In yeah. The film itself. Um, I like the little details especially when they're eating the ramen or making the ramen at the well, not death itself but yeah bobby lee being the ramen chef that he is is cooking up this meal and he he's finding out what you know what's your what's your deal and right. talking about death as being a business yeah that was cool that, that little tidbit was cool um and even the afterlife segment bit of a interesting take on what the afterlife is and yeah why they started dancing i'm not really sure but yeah, I, I think i think it kind of beats out what you would normally expect from maybe any other movie deciding what the afterlife might be. Yeah. And kind of subverting that and doing, going in a different direction. True. I think it gets the cheap. I don't want to say it's the cheap pop, but it gets the pop. Yeah. So I give it bonus points for that. Yeah. Was it interesting? Yeah. I mean, shit, it was interesting, but it didn't blow me away or anything. No, I mean, they're not, I mean, they weren't, they weren't fucking, hitting a grand slam with this one they weren't going for any crazy harsh 
topics or anything. Yeah. Yeah, they were... It's basically a commentary on life and death is what it seems like. Yeah. And I think it did its job. I, that's, I, I would give it probably like between a seven and a seven and a half. I think it did its job. It did it well enough that it conveyed, okay, I, I got the point, mm-hmm. I feel like, of what it is. And who knows? Maybe I'm fucking off base and we're wrong on what the meaning yeah. behind this is. But I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a lot of hidden meaning mm-hmm. in this. If something happens a certain way, it's because... It happened that certain, you know what I'm saying? It happened that way. As far as like the, if I had to critique some things I didn't like, it was the, the, some of the scenes, the camera work was not that good, or at least I didn't like the way the sequences lined up is when they're on the bridge and they're talking and they're, 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 one of them is doing one line and then another one is doing another line and the camera would quick cut to the next person. Oh, so, so yeah, it was yeah, flopping right. in between. I'm like, oh, yeah. why didn't they just have it as one shot? Have them both in the frame. Yeah. And, and just have talking to each other. Yeah. yeah, Or, or whatever. Or you have maybe another angle where it's over the shoulder of death. Right. Yeah. Facing Bobby Lee and then invert that. Yeah. And, and let it, let it play out for five, three to five seconds. But there were scenes where it, it was only a second between each of them, and I I didn't really enjoy. And you know that's interesting. You say that too because I noticed that. And one of the things again, fuck to go back to wrestling, camera work in wrestling. It's very, it's very good when they do it well. If you don't capture that angle long enough, or you capture it too long, it ruins the fucking moment. Yeah. And I do think that, and I don't know, because I'm not a cinematographer, and I mean, listen, I guess I'm an amateur fucking enthusiast or whatever you want to call it for film and movies, but... Well, we're just giving our, our casual opinion. Right, yeah, but like, I don't know why they chose to do that quick, quick, quick thing, but it did. It was a little, it was almost a little bit kind of distracting. You're just like, oh, well, yeah, just put it over the shoulder... Or have, have them both just be in the frame and then just let it play out and then see what happens, you know? Yeah, give it five seconds for one person. Right, yeah. and then they can go flippity-flop that way. But give them five or six seconds and then let it move on. Or if you want to find out what their emotions are between the dialogue exchange, you fucking have them in one shot, and it's the side-to-side the side yeah. shot. So you can see everything. But uh, I didn't really particularly enjoy that. I mean, for the most part, I think, camera work is decent you got like the nice b shots of the food um i'm trying to think of other the now the food itself the Uh, ramen bowl itself yeah this movie did make me want ramen yeah yeah. i'm not gonna lie yeah yeah it it triggered something in my brain Mm -hmm. to where i was like dude i want fucking ramen yeah and this is gonna be where it's kind of weird because it wasn't because i looked at the ramen and said damn that looks good i said Man, that ramen looks fucking straight mid. I want some good fucking ramen. <laughs> that ramen did not look that appetizing. Yeah. It, it, for this being this divine, heavenly fucking ramen, mm. it just straight up looked, as the kids say, it, it, it did look mid. It looked fucking mediocre at best. And Have you had kimchi? I've had kimchi, yes. And I like kimchi because kimchi... To me, it's basically Korean fucking sauerkraut. That's what kimchi basically is to me. It's yeah. it's a it's a spicier version of sauerkraut. Mm. I like kimchi. 
kimchi ramen. I don't think I've had straight up kimchi ramen before, mm. but I've had ramen and I've had kimchi. So sure, I'm, I'm sure it's delicious together, but just the texture and the look of it, just it didn't look that great. It didn't look like, oh man, this is fucking hella good, which again, maybe it might be the lighting. It could be the lighting, but I think they did a great job selling the ramen though. Mm. I mean, these guys are both actors. They're professional actors. So, yes, of course, they can sell. And they sold this ramen as being fucking delicious. Yeah. That's probably also why I really want ramen. And I think that maybe next week we should go get ramen. That sounds like a plan. Because I fucking, I really want some. And I think there is a ramen place around here by us. And if you have watched this movie... After you watch it, I'm telling you, you're going to want to fucking eat ramen. Mm. And I'd be curious to know if people all agreed with me because I thought it looked weak and that's what made me <laughs> want some good ramen. Weak. Yeah. Or if they're just like, oh, man, that ramen looks so good and I want some. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, I, listen, I don't eat ramen all the time. It's not an everyday fucking occurrence for me. Mm. Um, I, I mean, granted, this looked better than top ramen mm. for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. But I also liked the, I don't know if I liked, okay, this is, yeah, I don't know if I liked the mom part getting kind of shoehorned in at the end, right before the end. I felt like it was just shoehorned, like, he's, he's losing, he's freaking out, and he just, he just walks to where his fucking mom's at. I feel like it's a logical step, though, like, because the last thing you want to see, like, if you, you want to see your loved ones before you pass away, right? So why, how is that a... Why does it feel like a shoehorn? I felt like just the way it went down. It's like he just rolls up to her convalescent home and then just headbutts the fucking window to get through. I mean, that was funny, mm. but I don't know. I just felt like it kind of was just maybe pop, popped in there. Because yeah, because for levity's sake, because we already get that he regrets doing this. Yeah, right. Now he's in the acceptance stage of it, I guess. Because he accepts that he's die, he's gonna die. Yeah. But I don't know. Because then right after that, he's like crying again. Yeah, I think because uh, <laughs> if I remember the sequence of events correctly, last thing he does <laughs> is he has some kind of exchange with death. They're drinking beers or whatever. Right. Yeah. Getting getting sauced. And then he gets angry. <laughs> he gets angry because. Uh, he basically tells him, it's like, don't worry about it. I know you've had a hard life, and that's what kind of triggers him or whatever, is that he's like, what the... F-? I I think what it really came down to for that scene is him saying, like, what the fuck do you know about my you life? You don't know shit about me. Yeah, yeah. you don't... You know, if, you don't know what my life is like. Yeah. And that's why I think it kind of naturally, naturally leads to him going to the uh, retirement home or whatever that his mom's at is because... Yeah. Me, he talks about having, you know, his his mother's ramen, but their exchange from parent to son was not the best. Right. Yeah. So that kind of ties into the previous conversation that our their lives weren't his life wasn't perfect, and it's kind of hard. So, but I mean, maybe it does come across as a, I don't know, maybe shoehorned in, possibly. I don't know. I felt like it was maybe a little unnecessary. I mean, I get where he was going with it. I get that he was trying to show the regret, and this is him saying goodbye. Right. 
for for the last time. Hey, uh-huh. you're not gonna see me again. Mm. I'm going away. Um, let me tell you this story about when I was a kid, real quick. And then you know you were you were always angry, and then you were an asshole. And then now I'm here feeding you ramen right before I die. Yeah. So revitalizing your life. And maybe that's also what it was a metaphor for, because I feel like with the life and him feeding her and then her becoming more emotive, maybe his death is the thing that brings her out of her catatonic state, gives her one more shot at life for a few years before she then goes and dies. Perhaps. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) As far as the... uh Kind of like the hallmark moments. I think mm-hmm. I I liked the whole exchange between Death and Timmy, or uh, as Bobby Lee's yeah. character is named. Uh, this, Come the, on, the, the exchange between them at the as he's making the food and also the drinking. I thought it was cool because it gave yeah. a, like some ex- exposition and the the scene with his mother and him. I think was probably another one of the better scenes. Uh, although I don't like how the dialogue, I didn't like some of the di- so this is where I I knock. In addition to some of the camera work, I knock yeah. on, I knock this film on some of the dialogue as it it didn't feel like a genuine conversation. Uh, it was the part where he's talking to his mother and saying, "Oh, you were so angry, you were so angry," and it I didn't. Yeah, that that was no good. I I didn't really like that. Didn't come across natural. Yeah, maybe that's why I don't like that scene because it just it didn't feel like it came across as natural. That, that particular piece of dialogue I did not like, but right, yeah. him, him talking about like, oh, do you remember making me food and all it, that felt all right. Um, and then there was part, in, as much as I liked the the scene with the kitchen and stuff, he said some lines that I didn't like the way they were delivered. But if I had to credit Bobby Lee for his one of the better scenes that he uh, he had a good exchange was when he tells him, oh, you, you'll be all right. And yeah. I, I know you've had a hard life. And like, then trust me, man. Yeah. And then he starts, laugh- all right. he starts laughing like hysterically. <laughs> and then he has like that stone cold moment where he like laughs and then no sells it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts fucking and he slams slamming. on the table. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's pretty fucking decent acting. Cause that to, that to, is. to, to, Start crying on command, like that's yeah. that's not easy. So no, definitely not. Uh, for it being, you know, one of the first times that we've seen Bobby Lee. Well, actually, that's not true because he has been in other things besides like Mad TV and yeah. such. But to be in a short film and to to yeah. find out what his acting chop acting chops are like in a drama film, like not not a bad, not a bad debut, not not a, not a bad first take. So yeah, uh, true. Yeah, I, I wanted to check this film out because i mean if we're gonna do tv and movies i'm like hey maybe we should check out more independent people to uh yeah i think that's a great idea short films that type of thing those are in addition to doing like blockbuster movies yeah, and stuff yeah. i mean shit the thing that we're definitely interested in is the the with the wrestling one iron claw mm, yeah uh i'm that's very, probably gonna be the next one that we right so uh <clears throat> i guess in summary i it was a cool concept to make this into a short film. The acting, I mean, Matt Jones as death, I think had a lot of great scenes. Like I, I can't really pick apart things I didn't like, but Bobby Lee, few minor, minor gripes, but overall, I mean, for, for it being a first take at, uh, doing dramatic acting, I mean, pretty fucking cool. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, shit, maybe we should keep track of this Tiger G guy to see what else he fucking does. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a great idea. And what, now let me ask you, what do you think about this? What do you think, or I should say, is there, does this become a, a not a series, but does this become a franchise now? Franchise? Death and Ramen. Like, okay, you just, if you got Matt Jones... Locked in and down to do shit. Obviously, Bobby Lee can't come back. He's dead. Or maybe he could come back as the, you know, himself, that character again. Right. But do you go do another episode? You call it Death and Something Else. Oh, dude. And I, then I think that'd be a great concept. You, yeah, you have Matt Jones. As, it's, it's like another, goddamn, if you could get another maybe decent big time star mm. to do it. And then you just get famous people to be the person that death is, is coming for. Yeah. And then they have these exchanges. That would be kind of fucking cool as a concept. It would. And it that. doesn't have to be necessarily food. It could be... Sure, death. it could be whatever item or whatever thing. You could make some shit up. I don't know. I mean, it could be whatever. Yeah, I mean, it could be like an activity. It's like playing catch yeah, or whatever. Death play, and soccer. Play, playing catch with death. or But to have that experience with death with other people, I think would be... Uh, <laughs> that'd be cool, like a very yeah. cool concept. Yeah. And then you could even... Because, I mean, they already set up the lore with this death thing being corporate. So you could even branch out and have other people be death and have them go out and get people or do whatever you want to do. And then, you know, you could tell multiple different stories and you could do them all in 15 minutes. You don't even have to do, you could do, you know, I don't know how long it took them to film this one, but yeah, I mean, shit, you could make this like a franchise, I guess, if you wanted to a small, a small franchise and maybe do something with it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> which would be cool. I mean, I would, I'd be just as open to see what what else this guy would want to do. But I mean, dude, short films being posted on YouTube is such a convenience, and for somebody that's trying to get their foot in the door, oh yeah, or maybe they're not even trying to get their, their foot in the door. Maybe they just want to make films the way they want to make them, and eventually getting to feature length films. But um, yeah, I I think I would love to have this be kind of a reoccurring thing where we just check out short films on YouTube to yeah. to keep our tabs on young faces uh as far as actors go or even r- directors writers all that shit um and uh yeah i think overall I, I i'm i'm leaning towards like a seven as far as the film goes yeah i think like seven seven and a half is kind of where i'm at uh and we're at the 54 minute mark i was gonna ask if you wanted to i don't know if you could do it off the top of your head but uh-huh. since uh you saw the film napoleon if you had any oh man yeah, I got some shit I could talk about Napoleon. Yeah. All right, let's let's uh let me let me do, let me do this will be another segment. Let me do uh okay, 26. Okay, let's do uh 26 to 54 is Death and Ramen. And then now 54 to the end. It's going to be Napoleon. 55. Bitch. Yeah, it's going to be Napoleon. So what what do you got to say about the movie? Did you enjoy it first of all? It was all right. There were some sequences I enjoyed. There were some sequences I did not. I felt like I was a little bamboozled. I felt like I got tricked. What were you expecting to see? I was expecting a very constantly violent fucking action, like a like a action by a biopic or whatever. Ridley Scott wrote and directed it. I was expecting gladiator meets fucking i don't know fucking some historical figure napoleon like right so 
it it really did turn out to be more focused on Napoleon's personal life. Now, granted, the movie was like two hours and like fucking 40 minutes. It was a long ass movie. And I felt like the exposition of his love life. I mean, yes, he got cucked a bunch of fucking times by this, by this bitch, Josephine or whatever. And that's fine. Shit happens. He loved her. She had some spell on him. She was probably a witch. I don't know. (laughs) But a lot of that stuff and a lot of the stuff in the, the battle sequences, the ones that were in there were fucking great. They were, they were entertaining. They were, I was sports entertained during those battle sequences, even though some of them were not exactly historically accurate. And spoiler alert, it's, in, it's, a, it's a sequence that's in the trailer, I think, but there's this thing where they go onto this frozen pond and then Napoleon calls the artillery and they fucking sink and they drown all these dudes because they artillery the pond basically and it's frozen so it just it's it's like a lake or some shit yeah so kills all these dudes that never fucking happened in the in that battle it never fucking took place then the opening battle of napoleon basically which a lot of it, it and it was it was historically accurate to a point generally it was mostly accurate but some of the minute details that they added in that they claimed to be bigger than they actually were or didn't actually happen. Mm. Like in the first thing where Napoleon, because it starts off right after the French, like literally with, uh, what's her name? Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake, fucking getting hung, or not hung, I'm sorry. Uh, de- uh, the captain. Guillotined, yeah. So it literally starts off with that. And Napoleon's in the audience, which wasn't true. He was stationed somewhere else when that happened, historically when it happened. But then he's gets he gets asked because obviously now that there's no king or the royalty's done, there's opportunity. The vacancy. Well, there's a vacancy, and then there's an opportunity where the British and their enemies, the French enemies, are going to try and take shit. So the British had taken this like port town, and they needed it back. Like they had to get it. So they sent Napoleon. He was like a captain, I think, at the time. And they sent him in to go fucking do do his dirt. So he does this plan. He fucking ends up taking it back. In the movie, Napoleon like charges with the with the men on the front line, and then his horse ends up getting shot in the neck. It was kind of a cool fucking scene because the horse like splits open and fucking just gushes everything oh, out. Shit. It was a fucking cool ass little sequence. Sad for the horse, right? But yeah. it that never fucking happened. That was totally it gets shot with a cannonball. And cool as fuck to watch digitally happen mm. but not historically accurate mm. napoleon didn't get that there's no evidence that suggested that that actually happened right also napoleon generally wasn't leading charges which he was doing pretty much the entire movie mm. so napoleon wasn't that kind of guy he was in when he was in the military he was an artillery officer mm. also just to comment on the french revolution in general it's funny to see it go from let them eat cake, fuck the royalty, behead them all, to, hey, wait a minute, this new guy, Robespierre, that we fucking put in charge, he's trying to become royalty again, fuck this guy, behead him. To then, oh, hey, Napoleon's here? Cool, let's make him emperor. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what the fuck, guys? And 
another thing about the movie that I didn't like was the pacing. The pacing was fucking weird. You'd have these really intense action sequences and they'd be cool. And then you'd go to a fuck scene, which again, I think there were too many fuck scenes in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they weren't even good either. The fuck scene, there were no titties, no ass. <laughs> Cause again, if you're going to fucking, if you're going to fuck around in a movie and you're going to put a fuck scene in, at least show me some big ass titties or at least show me some ass. Show me some Bush. I don't care. Game of Thrones this shit, if you're going to do it. Hell, I might have even Wieners. been satisfied by seeing a dick, all right? <laughs> but I, I got nothing. And they were, the sequences, there was multiple, and they were all literally Napoleon walking behind her, lifting up her skirt in a doggy-style position, and him thrusting like six times vigorously, <laughs> her being completely unsatisfied, and then him just going, oh, was that the best for you? Because that was the best for me. That's it. That was all the fuck scenes <laughs> happened. Every single time. Yeah. And I was not sports entertained by the fucking fuck scenes. I was very upset. Yeah. And I went to go see the movie with my dad. And granted, my dad's old, but I'm, it's not weird to see weird shit like that with him. I think it's, it's funny. But I just, after like the third one, I was like, is this a fucking softcore porn movie? Or did we come see Napoleon? Because Jesus Christ, why are there so much fucking going on here? Yeah, especially, and, especially for a guy that has probably seen a number of battles. Like, why not concentrate on that? Yeah, uh, and they really played out Napoleon to be like a sexual deviant. <laughs> okay. Like a cuck and a deviant, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that, that he was generally that. Um. So, anyways, so the movie... The battle sequences, 9 out of 10. The rest of the movie, butt cheeks. 1 out of 10. So in all in all, overall, it gets like a 5. It gets a 5, yeah. So Okay, so there were criticisms about the movie being somewhat comedic, even though it wasn't intentionally. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? Oh, yeah, there were a lot of unintentionally fucking funny scenes. Like, okay... So and Joaquin Phoenix is straight laced fucking playing Napoleon. All right, that's the sad part. Is that, that is the sad is part. Is that is that he's portraying Napoleon as a, uh, a serious actor? Yes. Right? There's, <laughs> there's okay, and then again, this sequence I didn't even see a reason for it. So when they're in Egypt, okay, which there are debates, and historically Napoleon never they show them like shooting at the pyramids and shit. Napoleon, ever, I don't think he ever actually was near the fucking pyramids of Giza. However, and he definitely didn't shoot at them with artillery, but there's a sequence when they take over part of Egypt where he's, they find a sarcophagus and I don't know who they don't explain who the fuck it's supposed to be, but Napoleon gets, looks at the sarcophagus. Obviously he's short. So he has to stand up on a stool to like see face to face with this fucking, <laughs> okay. this mummy. And he, ju he's just standing there staring at it and he just keeps getting close and keeps getting close and then it, it like move, it like settles or it moves, and he just goes, oh, like it freaks him the fuck out, and he just hilarious, fucking hilarious, not intended to be a comedic scene, but hilarious. <laughs> there, a scene that I found hilarious is when they do this thing where Napoleon. And it's like his brother and then some other dude become like this, this tri 
head of government, where there's three of them. Mm. It's right before Napoleon becomes emperor. And this dude comes to him, and he's like, hey, man, you know, this whole three, three-headed government deal is not really working out. I think you should probably maybe take a new title. And he's like, oh, yeah, what's that? And he's like, emperor. <laughs> and then Napoleon's like, he looks at him with this fucking look, and he just, and then he starts laughing, and then he's like, well, let me get this straight. They just beheaded the last royal, and now you want me to become a royal. And he's like, yeah, man, everybody loves you, man. And it was just fucking so funny that this dude is like convincing Napoleon to become the emperor. And it's funny because he does it. He becomes the emperor. They got the Pope coming down. That, that was another funny ass scene was the Pope coming in and doing this whole blessing on him. For some reason, I don't know why. It was just fucking hilarious. The sequence where he annuls his, his marriage to fucking Josephine because she can't give him a kid. Yeah. That was also fucking hilarious. <laughs> he slaps the shit out of her. She's like, he, because she's pissed, and he's like, "What? The people want me to give an heir, to have an heir." <laughs> and the scene before that was even funny when he's at the dinner table, and it's in the trailer where he's like, "You see this lamb chop? Destiny wanted me to have this lamb chop, so <laughs> I shall eat it." Um, nom 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 nom, and then he throws it at her <laughs> <laughs> in front of all their friends, and it's fucking fucked up, but it's funny. So when he's getting his his marriage annulled. I think the Pope is actually fucking there. And the Pope is like, yes, because of this, God wants him to have a son, an heir, and we will annul this marriage. So now, and so she has to read the statement. And she's, and she, because Napoleon reads his statement saying that he loves her with all of his heart and that he just, he, he has to do this for the love. His love of France is greater. And France wants him to have a son. Mm. And she cannot give him that. So he must do this. But he will always love her and she will always be in his heart, blah, blah, blah. And so then he, this pre written statement that she has to read, and she's pissed because now she's on the outs. Yeah. And so she's like, doesn't want to read it. And he fucking just slaps the shit out of her. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, you do it for your country. Do it because you love France. And then he just slaps her again. And then she just like is shocked. And so then she reads it and then laughs halfway through it because she's like, I can't believe I'm reading it. And he like, he gives her this look like he's going to backhand her. And it's just so funny because. It's fuck yeah, it's fucked up, but it's it's just funny the way they did it. Mm-hmm. And Napoleon, like I love Joaquin Phoenix, man. Yeah, I, do I really too. do. Yeah. He's a great actor, but he fucked this movie up, man. Why do you say he fucked it up if it wasn't for Ridley Scott? Because uh, he did he it write and direct it? Did he write yeah, Ridley it? Scott, I believe, wrote and directed it. But it was it was it's not it wasn't the writing that was that made the shit comedic it was the delivery, the delivery it was yeah. his acting that made the shit like funny because he was straight laced saying lines but the way he fucking portrayed it was just it was just funny it just came off as hilarious mm-hmm. and i don't know i don't know if that if this was his jam i don't i don't i don't know if you maybe had another actor yeah <coughs> <laughs> well, it, it was. Just, <coughs> go ahead. I was gonna say it's. Uh, if Ridley Scott was a director, then he probably coordinates what actually gets left in or out of the film, right? So the fucking was. It could have also been not Joaquin Phoenix's fault. This could have been the, the shitty takes. Shit. Yeah, could have been the fuck around takes that he decided to keep. I meant the fucking though. Like oh. you said, there was a lot of fucking. 
Not of not of battle. Scenes. Yeah, that's not Joaquin Phoenix's fault. His portrayal of Napoleon outside of combat was fairly okay because Napoleon was kind of a dry dude. Yeah. And he portrayed that portion of it well. Mm. But I just think in combination with the lines and the writing, it just came off as funny unintentionally. And, you know, again, I'm not I, like I love Joaquin Phoenix, so I'm not saying he's a piece of shit actor. No, I just don't think Napoleon was a good role for him <laughs> at all. Do you think this is by far the worst movie that Ridley Scott and Joaquin Phoenix have been part of? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. 100%. Holy shit, man, this was the fucking worst one, man. Who else was in it besides Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, the lady who played Josephine, fuck, she's like fairly famous. I forget who it was. Uh, but really, no one else of note. Joaquin Phoenix probably blew the budget for casting on mm. what he wanted. And I don't think he will be winning any fucking awards for this movie. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> At least I would hope not. I don't imagine you would, but I mean, this being the blemish in, in Joaquin yeah. Phoenix's career and Ridley Scott's. Right. And now it does, because, okay, because Gladiator 2 is, is the next movie coming out for Ridley Scott. And I'm a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, I would be. Because I don't know if maybe just biopics aren't Ridley Scott's jam. And why, why do you say bio biopics? Isn't that what it's called? It's a biopic? Biopic? It's a biopic. It's a biopic. It's all a one biography word. Pick. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, a bio. I don't know if these things I don't know if biographical movies are his his jam. Uh I think that and I don't think Joaquin Phoenix is is his jam either. Yeah, he ain't fuck I mean shit, dude. Daniel Day Lewis, like the I mean, that that's guy, the guy you want to get. Yeah, dude. Fucking uh, Abraham gang, Lincoln, gang, Gangs, Gangs of, of New York, York fucking a, a myriad of uh, Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Fucking all those biographical, historically accurate fucking films. That's the dude. They should have probably called him to see if he wanted to be fucking Napoleon. And I think this might have turned out much differently because he is so dedicated to telling historically accurate shit i think he would have fought ridley scott on some of this bullshit that they put in there <laughs> yeah and i think he would have fucking won i yeah. think he would have he would have won for the sake of the movie yeah and it, the movie probably would have turned out better um but like i said i am concerned for gladiator 2 <coughs> it is a sequel to but, arguably ridley one of ridley scott's best movies but but it's not what's his name's uh character not Joaquin Phoenix's character, but uh, Russell Crowe's. I forgot. Is it Maximus? Yeah, I think it's like his. his I don't know. It's someone else. So it's not. It's not <clears throat> him because he's he's fucking dead. Yeah, he's dead. They're all dead. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, what other story could you tell? I, I think it's. I think the the synopsis that I read is it's a similar story. Except it's not somebody who came from being a general to then being a general gladiator. It's like a guy who's like at the bottom of the barrel gladiator, and then he becomes like a famous fucking right. something. So <clears throat> I don't know. I think that some of the people from the last one are in it, like some of the other guys who were maybe like the slave masters or the gladiator masters or some shit like that, or they were involved in something like that. So I think those guys are, those guys are in it, but do you think that's a precursor? Well, actually, no, that's not, it wouldn't be precursor because walking Phoenix was fucking in 
Gladiator itself. I was like, do you right. think Joaquin Phoenix was going to be in this movie? Because now that they are, because you've seen that with Christopher Nolan, where he, oh yeah, he starts working with the same, like he always works with um, that guy that played the Scarecrow, uh, and and he also played Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. God, you're about. I forgot uh, his name. Fucking, he was in Peaky, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders, right? I just call him Peaky Blinders. This. <laughs> yeah, fuck me. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Let me look it up in the meantime. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I think it's Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, right. Yeah, there you go. So Fucking pulled that out of nowhere. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Christopher Nolan always works with a certain group of people, right? Yeah. I imagine that's the case for a lot of directors where they have their people that they <clears throat> want to work with or yeah. maybe they add on somebody else. But Ridley Scott working with, with Joaquin Phoenix is a guarantee. Because, well, shit, maybe not. Because this is a sequel and it's not directly tied to... Yeah, and I don't... I hope... That this movie was not the beginning of the downward trend for both of those guys' careers. And with Gladiator 2 <sighs> coming out, fuck, man. I feel like Gladiator 2 is going to be terrible. I'm, I hope it's not. But I just think that that's the movie that didn't need a sequel. <laughs> uh, yeah. If the you're talking. Oh, gosh. Sure, if, right. if you're going to talk about sequels, man, the. Um, I don't know what is going to come of this, if it means anything, but the Joker follow-up movie, it's said to be a, uh, a musical. <coughs> it's a musical. So that feels like something out of Joaquin Phoenix's range because that involves dancing and singing, right? So it was cute. I... It was cute in the first movie, yeah. right? For him to do... But not a whole fucking movie of it. No. That's going to be terrible. Unless it's just one of those things that this movie is going to be. This movie is just going to be. Um, like a super surreal film that. It, yeah, maybe. It, it's not really grounded in, in reality at all. Like the musical is just. I don't I don't know what the fuck. I, I, I don't know what you do with that. But yeah, in any case. I mean, shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably gonna watch it because I just want to see what happens. I'm, I'm not oh, even interested yeah. in musicals. Neither am I. I hate music. I, I'm not. A, well, I mean, some musicals are all right. Yeah. Um. But okay. Is there any upcoming or movies that are coming out that you really are looking forward to seeing? Shit. I mean, that Iron Claw. Yeah, Iron Claw. Obviously. Um. For whatever reason, I I do like Willy Wonka, so. <laughs> I, I maybe want to see that <clears throat> prequel movie. I like that Dune kid. Yeah, um, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, and I, I, I'm speaking of which, I, Dune two, the sequel to Dune. I that looks the first one. Did you see the first one? I didn't get to see the first one. Man, either. you gotta watch it. It's fucking so good. Mm. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Batista's in it, man. Spice must flow. <clears throat> yeah, the spice must flow. That Zendaya does a good job. I mean, Poe Dameron's in it. Fuck, there's a lot of Oscar money. Isaac. Yeah, he's uh, that kid's dad. Oh, is he? Yeah, okay. and man, there it's just there's a fuck ton of of actors. This, Jason Momoa's in it. Oh, right, yeah. Fucking, this uh, is an anthology, right? It's gonna be like seven movies, some shit like that. I don't know. Um, what's his name? Fucking uh, Thanos. Uh, what the fuck's that guy's name? Oh, uh, Josh Brolin. Josh He's Brolin. also in it, man. It's like this. This is a stellar cast. fucking cast, and it's only bodes well. Fucking uh, what's his name? Jean Jacques, the the dude from. Uh, God damn it. No country for old men. Uh, he's in it too. Fuck Javier Bardem? Yeah, he's also in it as well. 
What the fuck does he play? He plays the head of the Sand People. Oh, nice. So yeah, like that's that's fucking cool as shit. So do you think everybody took a pay cut in this movie so that they, they could just be a part of it? I think HBO actually fucking made it, and they've got HBO Max money. So I, I don't think they gave. I think they fucking. I think they paid got every everybody. Penny, every I think they paid everybody the rate that they fucking get that they want. Oh yeah, plus the they're all they're probably all part of the Actors Guild, Screen Actors Guild. Oh yeah, and they're all famous stars, so they're getting whatever they want to get. The guaranteed yeah, money, yeah. There's a certain level of what you... And so here's the other thing. Well, I mean, fuck. I don't want to spoil it for you if you plan on watching it, but a lot of them die in the movie. Mm-hmm. The big star people. Yeah. So if you blow your nut and you spend a bunch on them to build it up to get people hyped about this movie, <laughs> and then you just have nobody's be in the sequels, you're good to go. I yeah. mean, you're golden. So yeah. it's, it's it's just... it's You're, you're front-loading the money, basically true um so you're paying for the faces yeah i mean hopefully they the role is important it is yeah it's it's pivotal to the movie yeah uh but you're not just paying them to to guarantee that the movie has a draw because of said actors right yes and then once you get people invested in the story even though they're gone they're still gonna stick around and and come out that's what i think this is this is also kind of hard to say because it's like dune basically inspired the sci-fi genre itself yeah largely so it's like (laughs) i guess I was curious to find out if people were willing, because you know that guy Jonah Hill, yeah. when they made The Wolf on Wall Street, right? I think he basically took the minimum <sighs> or no money at all to work with he, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, and Martin Scorsese, right? Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if this was the case where oh, like they're like, yeah, oh, fuck, I want to be in this movie because fuck, just this, give me the this, minimum. This yeah. is gonna be, this is gonna be one of those historical yeah, franchises true. that everybody wants to be a part of. And true. So and I don't know. It, yeah. I, I can't think of any movies at the moment for the future but for me there is one that i want to see that i think just came out on netflix and it's that fucking rebel moon or whatever rebel moon okay which is the um fuck it's uh is it hold on let me let me let me be sure I, i i don't know why i'm confusing fucking names right now but rebel moon yeah rebel moon it's the it's the what's his name he was supposed to do Zach, it's Zack Snyder, yeah. It's the Zack Snyder, because he he got screwed out of doing one of the Star Wars movies. So he said, fine, I'll go make my own Star Wars. Make Blackjack my own Star and Wars movie, yeah. And he did. This is what he did. And he wrote it, and he shopped it to Netflix, and Netflix bought it and let him and paid him to make it. Mm. So <clears throat> um, everybody has, is saying that this is fucking supposedly really good. Uh, I'm not sure some of the... Other people are saying that it's garbage. Mm. I think Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, the audience gave it a seventy-five, and the critics gave it a twenty-three. So this is just the first part. I guess this is going to be a multi-part movie. But also, apparently, it looks really good. The special effects are fucking amazing in this, as as I've been told. But I don't know. I want to see it just because it's supposed to be his version, his his answer to. Star Wars. I don't know. Okay, he so, didn't get to make it. So there, there is a bit of a list for releases in twenty twenty four. Okay, what do you got? <sighs> so I don't really know <clears throat> what to make of a sequel to Beetlejuice. Oh my god, it'll be cool. But it, yeah. it's, Michael, Ke- I think Michael Keaton said he's going to be oh really reprising his role, That's right? Cool. So, but then again, the, okay. So here is the problem that I have with that movie coming back as a sequel. So. Back then, Tim Burton was working with a budget, right? Right. At this point, he's a blockbuster filmmaker. Yeah, there is no budget so, out of his range. 
that means that some of the charm is going to be lost from his previous movie because like no, the set true. pieces that they would make, yeah. all the shit that he would do, there was a charm <sighs> to it. Now it's like the movie, or rather, the Alice in Wonderland shit that was all done three D, right, and yeah. like that was. I never saw those movies, but I didn't really care to see those movies. Yeah. Period. But that it's like, does Tim Burton still have it? Can he bring, can he go back maybe. to those roots? Yeah, uh, maybe. I hope so. Yeah. So then, let me just read off a couple of the. I'll just read the top ten list at the yeah. moment. So That'd we have Deadpool three. I'm done with comic book movies. Don't give a shit. <laughs> Don't care. Don't care. Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire. So it's equal to. The uh, re rebooted Ghostbusters universe. Did you see the first that the whatever the first one was called? No, don't care about Ghostbusters all that much. I like Ghostbusters. Uh, it was all right. It was like uh, it was like Stranger Things is Ghostbusters because it was all kids. It was the kids like yeah. doing shit. Uh, Dune Part Two, Venom Three. Haven't even seen the first two. Uh, <laughs> Despicable Me Four. Don't care. Oh, Chloe, will like to see that. I'll, I'm definitely be gonna probably be seeing that. So, uh. Inside Out Two, which is like the Pixar movie about this local. is the top ten of shit coming out next year. Yes, this is from Fandango talking Fucking about Fandango. This is corporate garbage. <laughs> this is horseshit. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> this one I didn't see coming. Lord of the Rings: The War of Rory. Wait, what? Yeah, there's Lord. Of, yeah, there's some kind of Lord of the Rings movie. You think this is because they made that series on Amazon and they saw it was popular and they're like, fuck it, let's make a movie. Peter Jackson's like, he's like, you fuck guys. that noise. Yeah, you guys, yeah. I need to make a movie. Fuck this. How do you pronounce this? Rohirin? Rohirin? Yeah. Rohirin? Rohirin? Gladiator 2 is on the list. Mm, okay. And A Quiet Place Day 1. I don't even know what, that, what the fuck that is. That must have been oh, that. Oh, that one with uh, Batista? Fucking, no, no, no. Um, John Krasinski? Yeah. The dude from The Office? It's him and then the lady. It's like they got to be quiet. Yeah, it's kind of like that fucking bird movie with. Uh, yeah, yeah. With what's her name? Uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, right? But <clears throat> this sounds like a shit year so far. Twenty twenty four is not looking all that hot. Yeah, it's it's looking like it's hot garbage at this point. I can't even fucking believe the most. Let's see. Let's see. Is Rotten Tomatoes have a different fucking list? No, it looks like it's the same shit. Do these assholes fucking just pick the same movies? Jan okay, January. A Mean Girls reboot. Fucking garbage. Get out of the reboot. Oh, yeah, this one, Argyle. This one kind of looked all right. No, no. I saw the trailer. Mm. We saw the trailer. It looked all right. No. I was interested. Madam, Madam Web for also for February. Spooderman. Spooderman, yeah. Spooderman related movie. Uh, sequel, basically. <clears throat> Dune Part 2. Okay, awesome, but a sequel. Oh, imaginary. <coughs> that looked dumb with the bear. We saw that trailer in front of Godzilla. <laughs> it's Ted with it's uh, Ted, horror. But, he's, but he's, he wants to kill you. Kung Fu Panda 4, fucking sequel. Arthur the King. Um, Mark Wahlberg's in this. Uh, based on true event story about a man who befriends a stray dog during his journey to win the adventure world. Okay, fuck that. Dumb. Sports movie about dog racing. Um, I see here horror suspense, Alien Romulus. Alien and Ridley, Ridley Scott. Well, <coughs> the Ridley Scott franchise. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be involved. But who but. the fuck knows how, what the fuck that's all about. But Oh, the new Godzilla and Kong, the buddy, yeah, I was the buddy say, cop yeah, movie. Yeah. That's, that's another one. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm going to beat off to that. because uh, Dude, that's going to be in April. We got to definitely yeah. go see that for sure. That, that'll just be a fun, like, I mean, shit. I don't need any story in that one. I just want to see fucking Monkey 
monkey, monkey and, and giant lizard fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's and and be buddies and run. Yeah, because that running fucking sequence yeah. is hilarious. Oh man, it's so good. It gets you all amped up. It makes you want to go Super Saiyan. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the Fall Guy. I don't know, man. There's Back to Black. If this looks like fucking Ted. Oh, the Mad Max Furiosa. She's getting her own okay, movie. Okay, that, that's that something looks pretty I'd, good. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely tune in for that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see that. Let's not turn this into a list of fucking movies and, and, and uh, just, just scoffing. Just because, that's yeah. true. Just us scoffing at them. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, uh, 2024. Godzilla. There's a few good. Godzilla and Kong. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple high spots. Furiosa. <clears throat> yeah, Furiosa. And also another one. I mean, I am partial. I like the Planet of the Apes movies, so. I'm going to definitely see that. Monkey. Yeah, monkey. I like movies with monkey. That's that's what I want to see. Give me more monkey. <laughs> Reject um, humanity, become monkey. Yeah, become monkey. Number 1. Go back to the fucking You know, I wonder I wonder if we could give like zoo animals i like i headphones i i or what do they call airpods and then mm. let them fucking listen to our podcast and we could just <laughs> be like monkey number 1 yeah. and then they're like, "Yes." Belgium bad monkey yeah. now number one listener. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, shout outs to all the monkeys. Yeah, shout out to the chimpanzees. To, oh, shout out to our <clears throat> simian brothers. True, our orang the orangutans, my yeah. ginger, my ginger fucking compadres. Yeah. Fucking a. But anyways, all right. Well, I guess that fucking kind of wraps up this episode. I don't know if I got anything else to go for five more minutes to get us to an hour and a half, but close enough. Um. Anyways, so yeah, thank you all for listening, and if you would be so kind as to oh shit i clicked the wrong button as to uh go ahead and follow us on all the bullshit and uh you know listen to the next one the next one will probably be when we go see the iron claw movie that'll probably be episode number three so stay tuned for that and i guess that'll probably be a crossover with the wrestling one but whatever who gives a fuck we're gonna talk about that movie and and likely how it relates to wrestling and if you like wrestling and and wrestling ish movies you'll probably enjoy it so Anyways, thanks for listening and catch you on the next one. Oh, hey there, buddy. It's me, 1930s announcer guy. Here to congratulate you on making it through this episode. As our heroes are getting in their jalopies and riding off into the literal sunset, they wanted me to tell you thanks for listening to their radio broadcast. And should you be so kind as to follow them on some fancy schmancy radio station publication called Instagram and TikTok at Game Range Magazine. And on some other thing called Twitter slash X at Game Rage Mag. Also, they uh, wanted me to inform you and ask if you could be so kind again as to uh, visit something called the website at www.gameragemagazine.com. Uh, I don't know what that is, buddy, but uh, you should probably go do those things. And, you know, don't forget to tune in next time to the Game Rage Movies and TV Radio Broadcast.